What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find historical blindness on most podcast players and platforms. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. Well, for those of you who listen to The Shallow End, and I'm guessing you're among them because, well, you're listening to The Shallow End, um, you know that uh, this is a bi-coastal kind of show where I'm in Orlando, Florida. Lindsay is in Los Angeles, California, normally, but not today. Where Where are you? Today's a very special day. I am in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. My hometown, where you and I met, grew up, and uh, worked together. And it's kind of surreal because right now I'm in my late father's office in the house in which I grew up. And I'm just realizing that this room was my bedroom in junior high. I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I, the placement of the uh, of the closet <laughs> behind you. Right. And uh, except it, now it's got like plaques and awards on the wall, whereas before yeah. it was a Farrah Fawcett poster. It was a Farrah Fawcett, I think, and a Cheryl Teagues. Oh, to Cheryl be, uh, Teagues. To yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. Both, both. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking out the window at the Catalina Mountains, which... For anyone who's ever lived in Tucson or maybe even just visited, there's sort of the iconic mm. uh, backdrop to the city of Tucson. And it's just, it's it's a 70 degrees, sunny day, slight breeze. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. But this is the first time that I've ever done the shallow end from uh, a different city. Yeah, right. And interestingly, from your childhood bedroom. That's yeah. that's kind of cool and kind of appropriate. So if you hear any disco music in the background, it's just me <laughs> playing my Bee Gees albums. Yeah. Boy, we wore out Saturday Night Fever, didn't we? Sure did. Sure Whew. did. Yeah, I never want to hear that ever again. Damn good soundtrack, though. <laughs> and it's time. All righty. Uh, I've got a story for you I think that you'll enjoy. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just kind of segue right into it. Hit me. All right. Well, a great philosopher once said, and I think it was Immanuel Kant, um, karma is a bitch. (laughs) I didn't know that was from him. I I think it is, yeah. That was a rare, unguarded moment on his part. Cut right to the chase. According to an archived newspaper article from the Pineville Democrat, um, our story takes place in Texas, way back 
1893. And, and this, I think, is maybe the oldest story that we've done thus far. I think so. I think so. It's a man named Henry Ziegler. Now, he, has, he had a small ranch in uh, Honey Grove, uh, Texas. That's a great name. And Henry was known to be a bit of a ladies' man. Uh, the word was that uh, he made the rounds, so to speak, <laughs> back in Texas in the 1880s, 90s. He did at least until he met a young lady named Macy Trishner. And they quickly developed a relationship that seemed to somewhat tame the Texas rancher and his urges to wander. Uh-huh. But uh, by all accounts, it seemed like a pretty serious relationship. But Macy's family was concerned about her taking up with this guy. Henry had this reputation. He did, after all, well, he was known as a ladies' man. And, and they even went as far as to warn her to stay away from this guy. He would, uh, he would let the stallion out of the corral, if you know what I'm saying? He would rope the bighorn sheep, if you will. <laughs> um, but anyway, she ignored the warnings because she had fallen head over heels in love with Henry. And for a while, it seemed like this was a pretty good relationship. It seemed wonderful from, from an external perspective. They'd, they'd be seen at town functions together. She was always doting on him, and he seemed pleased with that arrangement. Sure. And it seemed to be a bit of an intense romance, but unfortunately, it was a brief one. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. He resorted to his impulses, and it wasn't long before Henry decided that he didn't want to be tied down to Macy. Oh, Henry, Henry, Henry. Macy, on the other hand, felt that she had found her lifelong love. So when Henry broke off their relationship, she, she didn't take it well. And he didn't just break it off. He told her that he'd been unfaithful. While oh they boy. were together. Oh, boy. That, that uh, not only did he not want to be with her, but he had been sleeping around on her the entire time. Let me guess. He came home and he found a uh, bunny in the in the stove? Uh, she didn't take it well, but uh, no, she decided uh, another route. Uh, she decided she could not live her life without him, so she ended her own life. Oh, my gosh. And this is exactly the kind of outcome that Macy's family had been afraid of. They did not take this well, especially Macy's brother. His brother blamed Henry completely for the loss of his sister. He was understandably very, very upset about it. He had heard stories circulating about town that Henry was fooling around on her during their relationship, but he had hoped beyond hope that maybe, maybe it wasn't true. So when he found out that it was, in fact, true and that he had broken off his relationship with Macy and that was the reason for the sad outcome, he was furious. Sure, I get that. And he wanted revenge. And again, 1890s in Texas, vigilanteism was not an unknown thing. I'm guessing there are some guns involved in this story. Oh, there are guns involved. (laughs) So he's seeing red, Macy's brother was, and he grabbed his revolver and he rode out to Henry's house in Honey Grove and he waited for Henry to return. Sure he did. It wasn't long before he saw Henry trotting up over the road and he waited until Henry got past a grove of trees to get a clear shot. He fired his revolver. Henry drops to the ground. Then, sadly, Macy's brother turns the revolver on himself. Oh, my gosh. Murder-suicide. Yeah, but what he didn't know was that the bullet that he fired at Henry just grazed him, leaving him only with a flesh wound, and he quickly recovered. 
from it. Henry got on with his life. He quickly <laughs> moved on. And he eventually did settle down. He, he did marry someone. He, he even had a son. And the okay. years went by. In fact, more than 20 years went by. One day, he is out with his son. He's chopping firewood out on his land. And he came across one tree that he was unable to fell because either the wood was too hard or his axe was too dull. So he needed another plan. At this time in history, it was not uncommon in a case like this for people to use dynamite to remove stumps from the land or even trees. Sure in some cases, that uh, were hard to bring down. It was actually a pretty popular solution at the time. So Henry rides back to his ranch, and he gets a stick of dynamite, and he returns to the tree, and he tucks the dynamite into the tree, and he and his son remove themselves to what he believed was a safe distance, more than 50 yards from the intended explosion site before, before igniting the dynamite. Half a football field, that makes sense to me. I don't know what the proper distance, the recommended distance is to be from a stick of dynamite igniting, but uh, I would think 50 yards would be reasonable. I would agree. So the dynamite ignites. The tree explodes. Both Henry and his son are well outside the blast zone. But Henry crumples to the ground. What the hell? Dead. What? He dies of a gunshot wound to his temple. He's killed instantly. So what I didn't tell you was that when Macy's brother shot at him 20 years before, after the bullet grazed Henry, it lodged itself in a tree. When the dynamite exploded, the silver slug dislodged and fired back out straight into Henry's head. You are freaking kidding me. So the bullet that Macy's brother fired at Henry did kill him. It just took 20 years from when it left the barrel to when it entered his head. Oh, my God. Sometimes karma isn't so instant after all. (laughs) Sometimes it takes two decades. Holy cow. Now. Dude. It's important to note that many have dismissed this story as a hoax. But it did make national press at the time, and it's been cited by many that these archived newspaper articles prove that it actually did happen. You decide. Either way, it's a pretty great story. I'm going with it happened. (laughs) That is just an amazing tale. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? God, I I don't know. I had no idea where you were going to go with this story, but that would (laughs) literally be the last thing that I... That anybody would have thought, yeah, I bet the bullet that got fired 20 years before is somehow lodged in this tree and it's going to take out Henry. Good grief. Henry got what he had coming to him. And I can't help but think that uh, Macy's brother, who is not named in any of the uh, articles that I saw, uh, was smiling from heaven when that happened. Yeah. If that, in fact, is where he was, I don't know. (laughs) Be it far from me to judge a man's eternal soul. That'll learn you, you bastard. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. This time of year means the return of lots of traditions. Family get-togethers, lots of food and drink, and, of course, holiday music. But what about those who are looking for something different to listen to? Introducing the Bah Humbug Channel the only satellite music channel devoted to songs for people who hate the holidays. Hear non-traditional songs like 
So you still believe in Santa? The biggest lump of coal. And guess who just burned down the Christmas tree? We also feature tunes like Your Outdoor Lights Cause Climate Change. Rudolph was a big fat jerk. There's no place like hell for the holidays. And Daddy Drinks Because You Cry. The Bah Humbug Channel, hosted by Ricky Gervais. Now streaming through January 1st. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps... You're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books, on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye bye. I'll be seeing you. Please don't leave children unattended by the pool. Some of these stories are not child-friendly. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. <laughs> oh, I wish you could hear the stuff we laugh at during, the, uh, during those commercials. Uh, lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. That's our email address. We have been um, almost besieged with uh, with emails, and for that we are very very appreciative. People send story ideas. They they share personal uh, anecdotes. Uh, here's one from a uh, a woman named Camille, who says, "I work in worked in retail during shortly after college. Would hang out with my coworkers after work. After work one fall, a group of us decided to go to our local amusement park for their last Halloween themed night. Now one of my workers brought a friend with him who was cool, except for the fact that every few minutes he would 
turn his head and spit chewing tobacco juice on the pavement <laughs> where people were walking. Wow. I found this incredibly annoying and therefore was very apprehensive when I found myself boarding the roller coaster car directly behind his. Oh, no. I reassured myself that surely he'd be smart or considerate enough to not spit out his nasty tobacco juice while we were on the roller coaster. Of course, I was wrong. <laughs> Mid-ride, I look forward to see him turn his head and spit. Right at that moment, the roller coaster hit a sharp turn and I saw him flinch as his own spittle smacked him right in the face. <laughs> I've never before since laughed that hard while riding a roller coaster. Love you guys. I've been a box listener for years and now recommend Shallow End to all my friends. Stay freaky, Camille from Seattle. Well, that is glorious. Thank you, Camille. I have an old friend that I uh, worked with in Phoenix and in Los Angeles for a while, too. He was the program director at K-Rock, K-R-O-Q, and uh, in fact, I, I think he just came back to K-Rock, like within the last couple of weeks. He was at Spotify for a while. He was vice president of CBS Radio. You know, wow. he was he was he did really well for himself. Yeah. When I knew him and in Phoenix, uh, he was an up and coming uh, part time disc jockey and he <laughs> loved the chewing tobacco. Uh huh. And he carried a cup around with him all the time. Oh yeah, with a with a uh, wad of paper towels in uh -huh. the bottom of uh -huh. it, and he would just spit his chaw in there. Oh god! And I guess he wanted to lower his carbon footprint, so he used the same cup all the time, like Good day grief. after day after. At the end of the day, he would he would put it in his freezer. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Kevin, if you hear me talking about you, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> also, I wouldn't mind doing a shift on K-Rock again. Just just let me know when. Just let, let us know. He's got a place <laughs> to stay. I'll even drive him there and drop him off. There you go. <laughs> uh, we actually got another letter um, email. This is from a woman named uh, Tina. And it's so good and so uh, lengthy that I'm actually, it's, it's going to be my, my story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tina says, hey, guys, not sure if you've ever heard of this, but I thought it might make a great story for the podcast. Keep up the hilarious work. Love you guys. And cat mm -hmm. to Tina. And it's called <laughs> a bricklayer's accident report. <laughs> I like where this is going. Possibly the funniest story in a while. This is a bricklayer's accident report printed in the newsletter of the... Oh, my dog just walked into the office. Oh, oh, Sal. Hi, Sal. Let's bring your dog to work day today. JG says hi. <laughs> Daddy's working. You need your inside voice. <laughs> your door just swung open again. Uh, and there she goes. Okay. Oh, dogs are so fickle. I love dogs. And how <laughs> any, <laughs> any closed door is just a suggestion. <laughs> Wonder what's in here. I'll push it with my nose. This is called A Bricklayer's Accident Report. Possibly the funniest story in a while. This is an accident report printed in the newsletter of the Australian equivalent of a workers' compensation board. This is a true story. Had this guy passed away, he might have actually received a Darwin Award for okay. sure. Okay. So this guy has been hurt and has filled out a report, submitted it to this equivalent of a workers' compensation board, and they have apparently written him back saying, we need more information. We don't understand um, exactly what happened to you or how what you described could actually happen, something like that. 
Right. So he's, he's writing back to them, and he says, Dear Sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information in Block 3 of my accident report form. I put, quote, poor planning, close quote, as the cause of my accident. You asked for a fuller explanation, and I trust <laughs> the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found that I had some bricks left over, which, when weighed later, were found to be slightly in excess of 500 pounds. Ooh. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building on the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went down and <laughs> Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the bricks. Pausing right here, just picture Wiley e. Coyote trying something like this. Oh Lordy. You will note in block 11 of my accident report form <laughs> that I weigh roughly 175 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. <laughs> Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building toward the sixth floor. Somewhere in the vicinity Ooh. of the third floor, <laughs> I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This explained my fractured skull, minor abrasions, the broken collarbone, as listed in Section 3 of the accident report form. <laughs> Slowed down only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Ooh, ooh. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of beginning to experience a great deal of pain. <clears throat> At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the <laughs> ground and the bottom <laughs> fell out of the barrel. <laughs> Now devoid of the weight of the bricks, that barrel weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight, 175 pounds. Oh, no. As you can imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. Somewhere in the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles, broken teeth, and several lacerations of my legs and lower body. Wow. How did this guy survive? I don't know. But this is the best part of this report. It says, here's where my luck began to change slightly. <laughs> <laughs> the encounter with the barrel <laughs> seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into the pile of bricks. And fortunately, <laughs> only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, as I lay there on the pile of bricks, in pain and unable to move, I again, <laughs> I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. 
Oh, no. <laughs> I lay there watching the empty barrel begin its journey back down onto me. This explains the two broken legs. Sincerely, oh I hope this answers your inquiry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, he may have lost uh, a few teeth, but he, he didn't, oh. uh, didn't lose his sense of humor anyway. No, no. Cracked, wow. uh, yeah, broken legs, cracked vertebrae, teeth. Wow. Dear God. And, wow. and you know what's interesting? I mean, it, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's true. It's, and it does have a Wile E. Coyote tone to it. it but does. I'm, also, I'm also picturing something like that had to have happened in like, what, between 10 and 15 seconds? It must have been just bang, 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 like that. Yeah, I mean, and so it, it's understandable that he wasn't able to react quickly because just the shock of being yanked into the air, exactly, and then everything, all the subsequent events in between. Uh, yeah, no time to react. No None. time, indeed. So, uh, Tina, thank you so much for that uh, that incredible story. That's glorious. And um, uh, again, a reminder to anybody with any stories at all lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com and thank you uh, to everybody who's been writing in we read every single piece you send we do and that story reminded me of a couple of different stories that i have come across but haven't done because they weren't there wasn't enough material to really it was just a really quick incident one was a guy was on a, on the scaffolding and he was okay. about three stories up and he was cleaning the siding of a house. And on the scaffolding was a huge piece of uh, metal. And he tied the rope around his waist to this <laughs> huge piece of scrap metal that was on the, um, on the scaffolding to secure him in case he fell off. I guess okay. it was sufficiently right. heavy to keep him from falling. So he finishes the, uh, the pressure washing of the side of the house and he's tossing his tools off the uh, scaffolding and shoved the piece of metal off with his foot, forgetting <laughs> that he was tied to it. Good grief. You, you can understand probably what happened from that point forward, but I, I have to wonder what, what went through that guy's head. Yeah. You know, like, Did oh he my survive? God. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. Well, he you know, we, broke we his trust. back, but yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then there was another story about a guy who lived on the, the fourth floor of an apartment building, and he was moving. And okay. apparently he didn't want to carry his sofa all the way down the stairs. So he and his buddy tied a rope to, around the sofa, and they were going to lower it off the balcony. Okay. And gravity took over there, too. Of course. The guy flew out over the railing of his balcony, crashed to the ground, but luckily for him, landed on the sofa. Holy cow. Holy moly. That's a lucky man. There are a lot of stories out there like that that uh, I have to really be somewhat, I take a moment and pause and just be grateful that there are so many people that do stupid things that will never run out of material on the shallow end. You know, it's interesting. When we first started this, I, I had a real concern about, are we going to be able to sustain this? 
Yeah. And yeah, it's actually just been the, <laughs> it's been the opposite. The more stories we do, the more I realize how many are out there. Yeah, yeah you know? there's plenty. Well, we've been telling stories like this for years and we haven't run out. We got a good run out of us. We'll never have a problem with, uh, with running out of material, that's for sure. Because if there's one thing you can count on, it's the stupidity of the human race. God bless us. Again, if you'd like to uh, send us your story idea or comments or suggestions, lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com is the place to do it. Do it now. We do appreciate it. Send it now. And we'll see you next time. But remember, make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go.